I had a million dollars. Hot dog! Hello, small business heroes. I'm Joel Volk, and welcome to Small BizCast, where twice a month I explore the lives of small business owners to dig a bit deeper, expose strengths, weaknesses, ideas, and challenges, blemishes and all. Business development is crucial for a business to grow and succeed, yet many businesses fail to provide even the smallest amount of professional sales training for their staff. Today's guest is Michael Gordon of Sandler Training. Michael works with business owners that are committed to growing sales without looking, acting, or sounding like a salesperson. As you listen to Small BizCast, you will find comfort in knowing that you are not alone. Hopefully, you'll learn something while finding ideas and inspiration from the people I introduce you to, like Michael. Hopefully, you'll laugh a little too. Hot dog, it's a wonderful life. I've been running a sales organization. It's a sales and service organization. I've been combining the talents of different team members in order to increase sales incrementally. I've been doing a lot of things program-wise, marketing-wise, kind of holistically to create successful sales for a long time. It's always been a moving uh, target on a lot of levels. First of all, the products and the technology that I get involved with changes, the people changes, the technology disrupts. Um, I was I, I was a student of Sandler, as you may recall, and I'm a big advocate of Sandler. I have my circa 2000 iPod here, which has the David Sandler you know, um, recordings on it. So yeah. I listen to them, uh, you know, occasionally. And, and uh, in preparation of our discussion today, I listened to a couple of them just to kind of refresh my memory on some of the some of the stuff that I, I found valuable when I was a student of Sandler. As I'm working towards moving from Mercury, because my career there has ended, I sold my company, I've got a few more months as a as a president of the company. And I'm starting a consultancy for business growth called Hot Dog Business Growth. And part of what I'm going to be doing is doing some sales coaching, strategic planning, but I don't think it's in any way a comp- competition for a Sandler. I think if anything, it's more the, it's more the, um, the missing stuff that's the Sandler Sandler's techniques are brilliant, but what they don't teach, at least as far as I recall, it's been a long time. Maybe things have changed are how to develop comp plans, how to do good recruiting, how to do good onboarding of new sales members, how to do the run the business of the sales operation from a long-term strategic perspective, how to create the value propositions and things like that. They So I think there's synergy that you and I can probably create with time. And when I was thinking about that, you know, as I'm thinking, how am I going to, you know, where, what are my referral sources going to be? Number one, I don't want them to not be Sandler. And number two, I don't want to not start, not refer Sandler. I think Sandler has a brilliant place when it comes to sales teams. And I mean, what you're doing, my son as, is a student of yours and he and I now have Sandler conversations. It kind of cracks me up, you know. He, he was talks telling about, me that. He talks about the submarine. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is language. You know, I almost forgot some of this. I mean, I have forgotten. I was, I'm, I'm planning tonight when I see him at dinner to see if he's ever done the tiger paw uh, approach when we're, when you're doing a, when you're doing a pricing uh, thing, you know, you're trying to oh, do a the, pricing. The monkey, monkey's paw. Monkey's paw. That's it. See, I told you a lot of it. I've, you know, I forgot, but the monkey paw, but the, the technique is really interesting or price bracketing and things that are really helpful in driving the conversation. So you have a chance to present your value proposition to solve a problem. And yeah. so that's, that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast, Michael. Yeah. And, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not just saying this because he's going to be listening, but I'm, I'm really impressed with, with Chaz. He's, he's a young guy and not that that 
you know, anything good or bad, but he's, he's going after it. He's, he's doing this stuff. You know, he picks up the phone, he makes calls and he's making stuff happen. And I, yeah. I love to see that. I know I'm, you know, I've, this, the COVID opportunity that I'll call it this last year, since he moved back in with us, his, his job was disrupted. And then he had this side business and then he decided to give that full time. And one of the things he was did was take some training from you, which you've been invaluable to him. But I, I'm impressed that he's, does, he doesn't have enough business to fill his day, but he's filling his day with business. And, and, and I think that's what we're supposed to do. You know, we're supposed to fill our day with business till we have enough business to fill our days and then keep on building that. Then, then to keep on expanding how big our day is, you know, how, what capacity we have has to be expanded at that point. So I, I, I'm a big fan of Sandler, even though on some levels we may start overlapping pretty soon. We do. I don't think we'll be competitors. I think we'll be colleagues. Even even if there is competition or overlap, I, I I'm never of the mindset that there is not enough to go around. No, no issues, and I hope I hope we are able to work together. Your podcast is good. I, I've listened to a few bits of it, and I think it's good. You you have a you have a nice voice and a good talent. And how are you uh, like doing you, it? You know, I'll tell you like the this the Sandler stuff has been. I, you know, I was a a trainee years ago, and you know, not long enough, they came and trained at our company. I thought it was great. And I learned all the technique, but I think the attitude stuff in Sandler is the best stuff there is. And it's way more than I was expecting when I started it. And it's, I was telling my wife the other day, I, if you would have told me three years ago that I would have had a podcast, it, I, it was just inconceivable. And here I am. Yeah, that's awesome. It's called the go-to market mindset. Go The go-to market mindset is the mindset of you know, growing sales, anything related to growing sales, growing a business, growing personally and professionally. So, and how long have you been a Sandler trainer? Little over two years. So I guess two years and and three months. Not not that I'm counting. So, were you doing Sandler training in person prior to the disruption of the COVID? Oh yeah, you? absolutely. And so, where where do you do that? <clears throat> so. It was either on-site with clients or the public training that we did happened at Hub 101 in Westlake. Gotcha. And now it's all Zoom or something like Zoom? For, for now, it's all Zoom. I actually just had um, my first in-person private training with a client last Wednesday. Uh-huh. For, you know, I've been working with the company for six months, and that was the, the first time I met anybody at that company. So that was, that was really cool. Num- number one, to get back in person, and number two... You know, you meet with these people, you see them every single week and mm-hmm. never seen them in person before. And there, you know, you, there they are. So how's your day broken up? You said you do prospect training and you, you mentioned a third element. What's the third part of your job? Pro- prospect, sell and train. Prospect, sell and train. Okay. In, and ha- in that order. Is and that, what's the, what's the breakdown of time? Is it, you know, three, three, three and two or, th- you know, one, one and six. What is What's the breakdown time-wise? Yeah, so I think, you know, probably like you said, when you're talking about, you know, have, not having enough business to fill your day or whatever that saying was, that, I mean, I look at my schedule, I have, you know, pro- in, in an average week, probably somewhere between five to seven hours of training. And the, the rest of that time is is either spent in meeting selling and if, that's not filling in my calendar, then I'm doing prospecting to get those meetings. Mm-hmm. So do you prospect to people that prospect to you? 
Oh, absolutely. So, so somebody calls you, cold calls you, and you go, you know, I can help I, you be more effective at this. I've had, in the last couple months, I've had two meetings with people that cold called me, and yeah. I scheduled sandwich meetings with them. So my wife and I were at a uh, public event, you know, with our masks on, and there was a booth set up, someone promoting their business, and I was interested in it. And in fact, I'm a customer of one of their competitors. I was, I knew enough about what they do to be able to ask questions. And I went up to the person and I expressed a little interest, flexed my knowledge muscle a little tiny bit. And the guy never asked me a question. He never asked me how I use it, what my experience is, how I know a little bit about it. He didn't ask me anything. And I, and I walked away going, this guy needs some sales training. So we were, we're walking up. It was an outdoor situation. So we were walking back towards the car. And I thought, I'm going to give this guy another chance because I just got to see. Here he is investing money to put his product out there and with this, you know, with this booth that he bought. And um, so I went back up to him. I said, I said, how long have you been doing this? And he's told me. And I said, and are you the owner? And he said, yes. I said, okay. And I said, um, well, how's it going? He goes, pretty well. And I go, all right, well, nice talking to you. He goes, yeah, you too. And that was it. <laughs> he didn't ask me any questions. And I'm thinking, boy, I think a half an hour of coaching, I could change this guy's life, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and some real training Sandler style to teach him what to look for. What are the indicators and what questions do you ask? And how do you keep somebody engaged through, through at least the sales funnel? And I, I just, so do you ever do that sort of thing? Just go up to a person like that and start saying, I can help you. I mean, it, it's almost insulting to them to do that. So yeah, that that's not my part of my prospecting plan to go, you know, hunt down, <laughs> you know, lacking salespeople. But yeah, yeah, it, it it definitely happens. I like I said, I get cold called, and I I booked a couple meetings that way. But yeah, you, you know, the the Sandler rule: always have your antenna up, and I always have my my prospecting antenna up. And if I see an opportunity, I'll I'll jump in on it. So can you give me a one or two sentence description of what the Sandler sales system is? I, I sure can. So I think the easiest way to, to, to describe it in a sentence or two is if you look at the Sandler success triangle, it's the behaviors, the attitudes, and the techniques that you need to be successful as a salesperson. I think the easiest way to relate that is to talk about what you just mentioned a minute ago is you said in 30 minutes, you could change that guy's sales career and business. And, you know, you're, you're probably right. But the other part that people I think often overlook is, you know, you can teach somebody how to ask the questions, you can teach them what questions to ask. But a lot of the things that hold salespeople back, and, you know, I don't mean any specific salespeople, all of us is the, the thoughts that and the stories that we tell ourselves in our head, that a lot of which we picked up from our childhood when our parents said, stop asking so many questions, you know, don't, don't talk to strangers. And so all those things, when you talk to people that are in sales and they have to pick up the phone and call someone they don't know, they hear their mom saying, don't talk to strangers, stop asking so many questions. So you can teach them the questions, but it, a lot of times it takes time for people to change their beliefs and be able to ask the questions, even if they know what the questions are. You know, another one is, you know, it's rude to talk about money, but now we're in sales and we have to talk about money. So right you know, maybe we know bracketing and maybe we know figuring out what the budget is, but we're not comfortable having that conversation. So, you know, when we look at Sandler, I think that's, I, I think any system is good, it, you know, and there's a lot of good training out there, but I don't think it looks at the right things. It doesn't 
it, it always it mostly focuses on technique and technique is great but if somebody's not able to internalize it and conceptualize it and implement it then it doesn't work right so i i agree with that i think when it comes to hiring and if people have listened to the podcast before they I, they'll hear me repeating myself but i think you have to hire for the person and teach them the skills you can't change somebody, somebody as a person, you can't make somebody nice, you can't make somebody polite, you can't make somebody be courteous or be selfless, you can't teach those things, you have to to hire those things and then teach them techniques and teach them, you know, teach them the tools, give them the tools they need to succeed. Um, the other opposite doesn't work. So I was going to ask you that question. What, what do you think the biggest a mistake businesses make in hiring sales reps. And, and the reason I, I'm going to preface it by saying that I know dozens of people that have sales organizations and they'll tell you the number one thing they do all day long is recruit. They're constantly recruiting because they're constantly replacing. And uh, my whole management style has always been managed for stability. I want a team that's going to be with there a long time, give them a long runway in order to succeed and give them all the tools they need to succeed because I, because stability is what grows the company. Every time you have to change a staff person, you go backwards. Every time you have to change a customer, you go backwards. Every time you have to change uh, anything, you, you go backwards. And so by keeping stability, you have you, you have greater growth trajectory. But I see a lot of sales, and including my own experience, it was always very hard getting the sales rep to stay a long period of time. And what do you think is the biggest mistake there? What's what's What can be improved? That's a great question. And I mean, I think there's a lot of answers, but if I were to to break it down to something that we can actually take away from this conversation is people go looking for that. People say, Hey, we have a, an open role for a salesperson. We, we kind of have an idea of what they want to do. Let's bring a bunch of people in and we'll, one of those people will fall in love with and we'll hire them instead of deciding in advance. What are the things that we know that this person needs as a sales rep, the characteristics to be successful in the sales role, going back to what you mentioned, Recruiting somebody with industry experience has a very low correlation of success. Right. <laughs> so the uh, best practice is let's figure out all the characteristics that this person needs to have. And then we can interview towards those characteristics and do then do our behavior-based interviewing questions. But oftentimes people don't do that. They say, we, we have an idea of who we want. Let's bring a bunch of people in. They end up, you know, we, we call falling in love with somebody. They They connect with them. They think, Oh, this is the right person because, you know, I, I get a warm and fuzzy talking to them and we're blinded to the, all the other things, the objective measures that we need to look at. And we're making decisions subjectively instead of objectively. One of the things I was famous for saying when I would commiserate with my fellow people who were, you know, frustrated over not being able to keep salespeople is I would say that the only sale this guy made or this gal made was me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they, yeah. They sold me, and then I was the only sucker they were able to sell to, and they couldn't sell to anybody else. What does that say about me? And it was—I think it's exactly that—that that thing. You meet someone that you like personally, you want to be, you know, and and they they charm you for a little bit, and now you're now you're you're pretty much, you know, you ask someone on a date, and then you ask them to marry you, and then you're stuck with them because you've invested so much into them. You need to see them see it through, uh, right? And, and you know, even a bad salesperson can be a good salesperson for, for a single interview and give that appearance. When we talk about, you know, finding and hiring a salesperson, it's, you know, it's can they sell and will they sell? Because a lot of people can sell, they have the characteristics, but are they willing to do it? Are they, are they hungry? Do they have that ambition and drive? Are they able to get up each morning and, you know, close a big sale and say, Hey, I'm not comfortable 
you know, even though I just closed a big deal, I have a bigger vision and continue to push out of their comfort zone. So we look at, you know, can they sell? Will they sell? Not just can they sell? Because yeah. And to your point, a lot of salespeople are going on an interview and they can, and they're going to, you know, put on a show for an hour or two hours. But, you know, what, again, if you look long-term, they're not, they don't have that hunger, that ambition, that drive. And that is, you can't, you're right. You can't teach, you can't train. We're going to take a short break and be right back. Small BizCast is proud to support Fit for the Cause. Fit for the Cause is the leading organization in fitness for low-income and special needs communities. Founded in response to the national health crises, Fit for the Cause has used licensed and COVID-conscious trainers to keep their members active even during the pandemic. Offering physical training, nutrition, and a variety of classes, members benefit from the same resources given to Special Olympic athletes. So stay active now by going to www.fitforthecause.org. That's fit, the numeral four, thecause.org. You may remember Janice Miller of Miller Haga Law Group from our episode, Saving Nigel, in season one. Miller Haga supports businesses of all sizes, from large to small. No matter what phase your business is in, from startup to wind down, Miller Haga Law Group acts as your innovative general counsel. Their experienced team of lawyers will keep the gears of your business turning. If you want to minimize your liability while maximizing your profits with competent and efficient counsel, contact MillerHaga.com for more information. That's MillerHaga, H-A-G-A.com. Document technology continues to be a challenge for businesses as they go back and forth from working remotely to working in-house. One of the challenges facing management is that documents need to be shared. They also need to be secured. There's privacy issues. There's access issues. Those are the types of things that keep people up at night. Mercury Document Imaging has been solving problems like these since 1982. We are in the unique position to leverage our years of experience with our tremendous resources to solve this and other similar problems. We do it economically. More importantly, we do it efficiently. So if you have issues that you'd like us to help with, please call 818-782-1221 or go to mercurydoc.com, M-E-R-C-U-R-Y-D-O-C.com. Welcome back. I'm Joel Volk. This is Small BizCast, and we're speaking with Michael Gordon of Sandler Training. Your clients are often companies who send in their sales recruits to be part of your program that you keep on a on a program, correct? Right. Correct. Okay. So they, you're not involved with the hiring process till you're not involved with them at all till after they're hired and onboarded, correct? It depends. And so one of the things that we do is assessments. You do. Yeah. So, so we pre, do pre-hiring assessments. Well, but so both. So pre-hiring and even, you know, if we start working with the company, we're going to uh, assess the existing team because that's number one, it's a great coaching document. And it, it's really easy to figure out where the gaps are and look at look at that assessment and make some correlations of what does this person need to, in order to be a better salesperson. And then you'll change your training to compensate for what they lack. Is that correct? I guess if you look at it this way, you, you have the technique. So everybody's going to come to training because everybody's got to learn the same process. Everybody is going to learn the same skills. Everybody, you know, whether you're sales, customer service, and you're responsible for keeping customers, growing customers, you still need to understand how to ask questions. You still need to be a good, effective communicator. But then there's things that each that each person is going to need as far as, I guess, from a coaching perspective. And sometimes we'll do some of that, but a lot, but usually it's for the manager in the company. And so we, we work with the managers too, as far as, you know, what is the, 
what is it that your reps are, are doing? Are they, you know, are we holding them accountable to use the sales process? Are they, are they having following the submarine? Are they having a pain discussion? Are they using upfront contracts? Are they using the pain funnel? Are they understanding the decision-making process and fully qualifying before they go out and give the, the fulfillment step or do a presentation or, or give a quote? And if they're not, then, you know, what is it? Is either they don't know how to do it or they know how to do it. And there's, I guess, those gaps, those, those behavioral gaps, like need for approval, ambition and drive, you know, reading a situation, the things that the manager would need to be coaching them on to make sure that they're implementing the system effectively. So just to back up a little bit, the, the submarine is the sales funnel process, correct? Yeah. Yeah. The, so the sandler, the, the submarine is the visualization of the seven steps of the Sandler sales process. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure because people listening may not be familiar with that. My fault. They're, they're going to be violating the Sandler rule of using buzzwords. <laughs> right. It's okay. You know, uh, when my son, uh, your student started, um, you know, talking about the submarine, I had to think, Oh, what, 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 what does that mean again? You know, it's cause I'm such a big fan of, of Sandler, but it's been so long and you kind of gra- as a, as a, a more seasoned sales rep, I, you kind of, gravitate towards that which works really well and became part of my personality and that which in the other part didn't so I had to re- refresh my memory on it so that's one of the that's one of the benefits of uh, having all these uh, recordings I have of that go back I think you know David Sandler who was the founder of Sandler used to do the seminars and I, I mean he's probably been dead for 20 years this guy but I've got tapes of his that are really, really powerful. Do you still use those in your training? Yeah, the, the best of David Sandler live. I, I live by that. It's, <laughs> it, I mean, it's amazing. I've, I think it's 10 hours of library, different spliced together live recorded seminars. And right. really bad H, high def, by the way. <laughs> the, well, yeah, high. I mean, he was, I mean, you can hear in one of the recordings, he asked somebody to, to close the door for him. He's like, I'm hooked up to this mic right here. <laughs> but it, yeah, it was a long time ago, but the, the content's that good that you can listen it to it and you don't always need to hear the person in the audience per se. You can hear what he's saying and get context. And that's the the important part. Right. And so he, so what I garnered from my experience with that was he was masterful at confounding expectation. So one of the, one of the resistance to, a, you know, when there's a sales and res, resistance to sales is that the, the prospect is expecting you to say something. And so they're ready to answer you with something contrary, may may not ever hear what you have to say because they're ready for it. And the Sandler system confounds those reactions. It, it, it acts contrary to instinct, correct? A hundred percent. Yeah. And so that's one of the things I found really interesting. If you, if you're a student of, of, you know, psychology of sales, I found it really interesting and, and it met my personality really well since I'm so contrary to so many people. That right. It, it, yeah, it no, a hundred percent. And th- that's the part I love about it because it's, I think it's a, it's a great sales system. And of course I'm biased, but it's, it's very unsalesy. It does not sound right. like a salesperson. In fact, it sounds the opposite of if you listen to it mm-hmm. by trying to figure out why somebody might not be a good fit or why somebody shouldn't buy it. And right. That, well, I, that's what I say is, by the way, I don't find it to be um, manipulative or phony or anything. I find it to be uh, respectful because if, 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 if the purpose of the, of the prospecting is to, if, if the customer is going to say no, get them to say no as quickly as possible. 
then all that does is help me because it increases my capacity to do business with the right prospect at that point. So you're, you're encouraging the customer not to worry about hurting your feelings. You're encouraging the customer not to worry about telling you the truth because all, all the truth is going to do is help you, help them and help you. And yeah, so, absolutely. And, and that's, so I never felt like I was being, um, that, you know, one of, if you think about the, the, you know, raise your hand if you want your kids to be a salesperson and nobody raises their hand because salespeople have that, that term salesperson has a lot of negative connotations. I'm going to digress for a second, but I started to make a list of all the different things people call salespeople without using the word salespeople, business development manager, account rep, account and account <laughs> manager, account, because that's do anything to not use the word sales because they think it has a negative connotation. And as a professional salesperson myself, someone who takes pride in the fact that I've been seeing problems and solving problems using the sales process my whole career, I'm proud of being in sales, I'm pr- but I'm proud of the sales I do. And so that's that's why the Sandler system always worked, I think, worked well for me because it fostered that. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I think Dave Matson, who's the, the CEO of Sandler, had a really great quote that the Sandler system is, it's a, it's a really effective communication model that happens to work well in sales. Yeah, I like that. So I want to talk to you about your experience in solving problems. How do you fix a bad manager? Sometimes you have good sales talent and you get good product, but the people in between are causing the, the are causing the the the, um, the resistance to success. How do you, do you get involved with that, and how do you um, tell the truth to people that need to hear the truth? Here's here's the thing I find most often that well, I guess the, there's two parts. A lot of times when there when somebody is the problem, or you've identified the 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 source of the problem, they don't care. And who doesn't I, care? The person that's the cause of the problem. And well, I, I guess I can even distill this further. If you find sometimes you, you hear, you know, you'll talk to a sales rep, I'll talk to a sales rep and they say, Hey, you know, can you talk to me? We, I think our company could use this. And they may end up making an introduction to the owner, or the, the president or the CEO. And you go and you have a conversation and you find out that that person is the cause of all the problems and you can ask questions, you can help them see it, but they really just either they're too comfortable to do something or that they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. And so, so is that where you, you know, I like to work with the willing, not raise the dead, you know, <laughs> exactly. Right. You know, you, let's, don't waste your time going after you can't, you can't sell to them anyway. And so this is, this was a, a really kind of interesting revelation for me when I started this, because I knew Sandler, I'd use Sandler to sell technology, but using Sandler to sell Sandler was a, a pretty different beast where I found myself speaking with successful owners and, and leaders and saying like, Hey, you just told me all this stuff that was going on. You know, why do you put up with it? Or, or do you care? Or, you know, is it possible that you're part of the problem? And you'll, you'll get some crazy answers, but like, I think, like you said, you, you can only help the willing and not everyone's willing. And then if you move down the ladder to, you know, I think you were asking maybe about a management position, like a sales manager, not everybody's cut out to be a sales manager. The number one kind of management sin that we see is a company says, Hey, this, this guy or gal was our best salesperson. And now we've promoted them to sales manager. Yeah, and, that's a- recipe for disaster to be sure it's it's the it's the one of the management cardinal sins because 
usually the things that make somebody a good salesperson don't suit them well to be a sales manager. So can you be a poor sales person and still be a good sales manager? Can you do the opposite? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm not, I don't want to sit here and say like, somebody that was a killer sales rep can't be a good sales manager. They can, but you're when saying you think it's a about, different, you're saying it's a different job and a different skill set is what you're saying. It's a, it's a very different job. And the, right. typically the people that make the best, you know, do the best job as sales managers or people that were account managers or people that were farmers that were nurturing and growing relationships and going wider and deeper rather than going out and hunting, because those are the same people that are good at you know, nurturing sales reps, listening, understanding, supporting them. Whereas, you know, when you think of somebody in the true hunter position, they're out there finding new business and they don't want to stick around. They know it's, you know, you kill what you eat, you go find a new opportunity, you kill it. And then you're on to the next one. So you're two years into your business. Where do you see your business five years from now? That's a good question. It's, it, that's kind of the number one thing that's been on my mind lately. I, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, we eat our own dog food and, to give you an example, this morning, Did you every say other you, Wednesday. I'm sorry, wait, I got to ask you a question. Did you say you eat your own dog food? Is that what you said? We eat our own dog food. So, so basically it means you're using your own training to do your, to build your business. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Okay. I'm sorry. I never heard that expression. Oh, okay. And, and I'll probably start using it for the rest of my life. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised. Um, so I guess I'll give you two examples. So yeah. this morning... Uh, and this is something I just started doing two weeks ago, but every other Wednesday, I started inviting all my clients onto to Zoom from for one hour and we make cold calls together. We warm up, we spend 10 minutes warming up. I'll make the first couple rounds. They can listen to me and then it's their turn and they can make calls and we, we do them together. So, you know, that's kind of eating our own dog food, ha- helping to grow the business. You know, I guess second story is was training yesterday and had a client we were going through the pain step and he said, he goes, I, I remember you doing all this in my sales call, but I didn't know what it was. Now I see it unfolding here and I, I and I get it. And I said, well, you didn't, you didn't think we were going to teach you something different, did you? Right. And so I thought, you know, I beat my own dog food. I followed the system and I'm blown away by how successful my, my business has become. And I don't say that to toot my own horn, but I'm further ahead than I expected to be at this point. So I was really started to think what is, you know, what is the next version of, of my business look like? And, you know, I think maybe it's, you know, an admin person or a customer success manager, but, you know, I, I really like what I do and I, there's, I don't think there's a lot I would change about it. And I don't know that, I know there's people in Sandler that hire associates, hire people that also go out and prospect, sell and train and still kind of up in the air about that. But, you know, I think just adding, a couple more bigger clients and just continuing to do what I do. You know, you mentioned earlier that you, um, you're, you have, I think you said five to seven training sessions a week and the rest is spelt spent prospecting and selling. Correct. Correct. And so at some point that five to seven is going to be 25 to 27. Right. Sure. Right. And so, so in order to, will will at that, at that point, will you be at, uh, saturation point and is is the saturation point uh something that you want yes it is so and and when i guess when you would you say saturation or at least when i hear you say it, what i think in my mind is you're not able to 
to, re- to really bring on a lot of new clients, but like all clients, the first day you sign them, you're one day closer to losing them and not, you know, not because <laughs> you've done a bad job, but right. you know, each client, you know, some people I've heard of Sandler clients being clients for 28 years, you know, some clients only stay on for a year. So there's always going to be turnover and you're always going to be looking for new opportunities. But yeah, at some point there's only so many hours in the day that you can actually train. Right. Well, if your client is a, is a a law practice and you're teaching a selling professional how to sell his services then that person may only be with you for a short period of time. But if you're, if your client is an organization that has a team of growing salespeople, or I should say a growing team of salespeople, then that client could be, is adding new students to your, to your, um, to your schedule every every you know every time they hire somebody so i assume that's the type of client you really want because they're going to have the 25 year relationship with you um is that is that a fair statement yeah and you know so how, do you, of- so how do you um how do you, how do you prospect for those types of accounts I don't know that you can prospect for those types of accounts specifically i mean we have our ideal client profile we know typically what the business looks like at least from kind of a data perspective of if we're pulling lists of people that we want to call or find on LinkedIn, we know that, but it's, it, it would be difficult to say that somebody would be one of those clients that would be a client for life. And I guess to, to back up a little bit, a lot of, again, really, you know, ardent believers or adamant believers in the Sandler training, it, they have their salespeople come every week, not just for the first year, but for many years, because right. If you're getting an insane return on investment, if you're getting a 10x return on investment, why would you ever want to take your salespeople out? Salespeople who are high performers usually like coming to training and it's it's motivational. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. And what were you selling before you became a Sandler trainer? You said you sold technology. What were you selling? Yeah, so I was I was selling content delivery networks and cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Which was that lucrative? Yeah, it was. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was uh, prior to to getting into tech. I had worked for Paychex, which uh, it's it's a great company. You hear a lot about it. Great place to start. They do a lot of train, you know, training in their sense of the word training. And you know, at one point, I just had sold. I remember one of my last months there. I sold fifty new customers in a month. And you know, talk about a saturation point. I was at the in the office till one in the morning a couple nights doing all the paperwork and there was a ton of paperwork and I still wasn't making great money. And I was like, I got to go to tech. That's where the money's at. And as soon as I got there, like, I realized it was the right decision and went from, you know, a couple hundred dollar commissions to five, you know, five figure commissions. And, right. and I was a fan. Yeah, no. And I, I did, like I said, I, I did well. They brought the first company I worked at, brought in Sandler and I, I fell in love with Sandler. I you know, went through a number of acquisitions always use the Sandler stuff and always did well in tech. But at some point I just, I I kind of fell into it on accident. I had a buddy that started a business. I was helping him out. And one day I told him, I said, I I don't have time to help you. I have this job that I don't like and have to go, you know, sell some stuff for that. And I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe this is my calling. Yeah. Well, you seem like you're very good at it. Let me, let me ask you a question. What used to work in sales prior to, COVID, but even before then, what used to work in sales prior to the internet that doesn't work now or that, that you had to change the way you sell or the same change the way you train salespeople? That's a great question. 
And I think I've been jaded from people asking me that because I remember at the beginning of COVID, I'd hear that question a lot. And I mean, one of the things I can say is fundamentals haven't changed. Mm -hmm. You know, people buy emotionally. So tapping into that hard work, you can't, you can't change that. I don't know. I have people tell me that cold calls don't work anymore, which is BS. Right. I've been, people have been telling me that for a long time. Yeah. I, so that's, that's what you were saying earlier is can they sell and will they sell? That's the, will they sell script in their brain um, talking, you know, someone, someone said cold calling doesn't work. So they repeated it without trying it. And so, and, and one might argue that cold calling will work better now than ever before, because so many people have given up on cold calling. I think so. And you know, last, when this all happened last year, I remember, you know, feeling bad for myself for a day and literally a day. And then I, you know, I thought, number one, I have, I have goals that I want and need to hit. And I, you know, I would be a terrible role model or example <laughs> for my clients. Right. And <laughs> yeah. And so I, I turned off the news. I, you know, I, I'd say I used to wake up at six 30 and I decided I'm waking up at five every morning, you know, got a really solid morning routine and I, I hit my goal. In fact, I, the business goal I had set in January of 2020, I hit it at the very end of uh, October, early November last year. Congratulations. It was all, it was almost entirely through cold calling. Right. And what I would say is I don't think there's things that work prior that don't work now, but I can tell you some of the adjustments that I've seen people make. And a lot of them are, are technology, being able to use technology. And I'll give you a great example, uh, a software called Vidyard. And it's basically video messaging over email. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a phenomenal thing to come out. It's been, it's been around prior to COVID, but it works really well. And if we think about the fact that the number of emails people were receiving prior to COVID versus during COVID increased 400%, we know that people are reading a lot less emails, but people are watching video. People like video. So number one, being different is, I guess, the first part of that. And the second part of that is it's, you can convey a lot more in a video than you can in, in written text. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I have a hard time thinking about what doesn't work, but what I think does work fundamentals are still the same. You need to work hard, you need to be able to ask good questions and you need to make small adjustments. And some of those are just the technologies we use, but there's always a way to get something done. So something you said a minute ago was interesting that you, you change your routine to, from, to get up an hour and a half earlier than normal and you put a solid routine in place. And so that just suggests to me that what you were doing was developing, taking discipline and turning it into a habit. And so how long does it take for your new routine to become habit? And, and the reason that's important is because your behavior is going to, what's going to be driving sales. And so if you have to, if you have to remember to do it, or if you have your own personal resistance to doing the behavior, you're going to affect your sales negatively. But if it becomes a habit of this is just what I do. And first I do this and then I do mm -hmm. that then the behavior is not up for negotiation and the behavior gets done. Correct. Is that your hundred percent? Right. Is that your point? So, so how long does it, did it take you to have this discipline and turn it into a habit? <laughs> That's a funny question. And I'll, and maybe I'm just thinking about it specifically to me, but you know, I was in the Marines for four years and oh. <laughs> waking up early, I, I can never get used to it. So I still wake up at five in the morning, but I never like it. All I know is that when the alarm goes off, I'm getting up. Right. So I don't, for me, I think I had enough discipline to, it didn't matter if it was a habit, but to, I mean, I guess to answer your question, how long does this thing take to become a habit? Okay, well, fair enough. So, but most people aren't 
veterans, correct? Correct. Right. And so most people do need to have some some ability to drive their behavior that doesn't come from the experience that you had. I, I got to think that there's some, there's some way to get there. Well, here, here's, I mean, there's some, some real gems in the Sandler stuff. And, and here's the one that I think is the most awesome is, well, may, or maybe among the top best things is there, there's a saying that it's not how you feel that determines how you act. It's how you act that determines how you feel, which is, you know, completely the opposite of what society tells us. Right. You know, if you, if you're, if you have a bad mindset that you're not going to want to do this stuff, and whatever the stuff is in your world to be successful, whether you're in sales or not, if you think about it, if you, if, if you let your behavior drive your attitude, it, it's a lot easier to change. So if you just decide I'm going to get up at, it, it's like going to the gym. Nobody, usually we don't feel good about going to the gym. We decide we're not going to go. But if you decide, you know, I'm going to let my behavior dictate how I feel. And you know, you're just going to go to the gym. You're going to feel better when you're done. Right. And and I'm glad you brought up the gym because I also was going to ask you, I assume that this added hour and a half of your day had to do with work balance, work-life balance too. It wasn't pure work. You weren't getting up and cold calling. You were getting up and probably doing some, I'm going to take throw out a guess. You're doing a meditation, you're doing some exercise, you're dealing with your you know, family business, or, and then you're, then you're gearing yourself up to start work at a certain point and, start, and focus on work. Is that, yeah, a, absolutely. Tell me where I'm wrong, but I, that's my guess is what you're no, saying. No, I, you're dead on. So I mean, part of what it was, I mean, even before this journaling is, has always been a big thing for me. And okay, uh, I think it's a big thing in Sandler and I try and impart that on our clients because it's so powerful. And so that's something I did, but yeah, meditating was something I added, you know, doing some reading before starting the day, was incredibly helpful. And being able to, you know, I, I said, I'm just going to double down on my prospecting. What I, I, had, I had my cookbook, if you remember that term, or my prospecting plan. And I said, I'm going to double, double my prospecting. And so, you know, being at my phone at 750 instead of, you know, 830 gives me more time to make, make calls. You know, it seems obvious, but it, it's not. And you know, I talked to lots of people last year. I made 6,000 cold calls last year. And I talked to people that were saying, hey, we're going to you know, figure our way out of this no matter what. I had other people say, oh, you know, poor us. Hopefully this passes soon and we can make it. But I mean, if you have opportunities out there, if there's market share for you to get, then figure out what you need to do to get it and and do it. And for me, that was just doubling down on my behavior and my prospecting. Yeah, just and- a little business modeling here. You know, the especially as a, a one person, you know, solo practitioner in business, your capacity to do business is limited, is limited. And so anything you can do that it, to, to increase the size of your of your capacity will help your business grow. The more people, the more people you can. So, so if, if um, by, by setting this goal, by setting the goal, by doing, um, by doing account self accountability to the goal. And by the way, it's harder as a sole person, cause you didn't, you don't have a, a sales manager saying, uh, Hey, Gordon, you know, <laughs> I don't think you did what we agreed. You know, remember we agreed to do this and you didn't do that. So can you share some light as to what happened? You don't have anybody putting that kind of, of, you know, pressure on you. You're doing it yourself. That, 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 that takes something. It, it does. And I, you know, I also have a wife who, <laughs> you know, has expensive taste. And so she sends me out every day and have a three-year-old. So, you know, I, no, I don't have a sales manager, but that's, you know, I, <laughs> I have your old says, daddy, we're out of cheese. That's your sales manager. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
this is great. Do you want to give any kind of samplings like the, the of of what we talked about? Like for instance, you mentioned earlier that you were, you know, your parents taught you not to ask about money. How do you overcome that? What's the Sandler methodology for o- overcoming that discomfort about money? Yeah, so great question. There's and there's a couple of ways to look at it. I don't think all these will be right for everyone, but one thing is is just changing your belief and you know have a really great analogy for that is you know, we talk people, when did you stop believing in Santa Claus? And someone will say like, well, <laughs> at some point, and you just, at, at least, I don't know, when somebody turns 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and they realize, oh, that's, that was mom and dad, you've changed your belief. So maybe that's how easy it is to change your belief that it's okay to talk about money. Other people, it takes a long time. And again, if you, you know, use the behavior to drive your belief, and you to start having those conversations, that'll drive your attitude. And that says, Hey, I, I talked about money and the person was comfortable and told me what their budget was. That'll change your belief. Mm-hmm. Or again, the thing that we talk about journaling, if you write something down enough times every day and you, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but you lie to yourself convincingly over time that I'm great at talking about money. People want to have that conversation with me and people are willing to tell me their budget you do that long enough, it becomes a, a fact. So I, again, I know I'm you know really happy to talk about Sandler, but I think it's just so transformative because when we have behavior, attitude, and technique, we figure out how to talk about money. We have a behavior which says if we do it enough times, we'll change our belief in it. And then if we you know we talk about the belief part or the attitude part, we can work on that through journaling. So, and I think it applies to even things way beyond sales that if we just connect those three components that you're going to be successful at whatever you do, whether that's sales, fitness, really anything in life. Very good. How do people get a hold of you? You can reach me by phone. It's uh, 310-433-3151, but most people prefer email, which is michael.gordon at sandler.com or go to the website, which is gordon.sandler.com. Okay. And we're going to have this in the show notes. So, for those of you that thought Michael said that very quickly, don't worry about it. It's in the show notes. Uh, and uh, this has been great, Michael. I appreciate it. I, I really can talk about this all day long. This is uh, this is one of those things that I love this, the science of the psychology of the, and as you said, it doesn't, it's not sales. It's, it's just, it's communication and living life. Uh, a lot of these techniques are just really good for, um, for just being a human being. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it too. I, the time flew by, I think. And to your point being a, a good human being. I, th- I think my wife would probably argue that I'm a better husband since I started my Sandler business. So, is that in her journal? Did you look? <laughs> Michael yeah. is a better husband. Michael is a better husband. <laughs> and, and of course, I negative reversed and I said no, but not 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 this year though. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for helping us. I think we've all learned quite a bit, and I believe a lot of people will be calling you for some sales training. If nothing else, just to ask some questions and get some pointers, and I appreciate that you'll be able to help them. When you think of what it takes to pivot in the face of disruption, do you think it takes resources of a large enterprise? I can tell you that sometimes it does, but sometimes it's just the heart and soul of a company like Mike Fox of Eminem Paper. He's our next guest on Small BizCast. Here's a sneak peek. I was in a unique position. I had a good relationship with my suppliers. My suppliers were also in the same situation I were. They didn't have any paper business, and they were looking 
to see, you know, how do we, how do we, you know, persevere through this? Small BizCast drops every other Tuesday. Follow us on our socials for business tidbits and special offers. Thanks again for our sponsors, the Miller Haga Law Group and Mercury Document Imaging. And remember to support Fit for the Cause. And of course, thanks to my producer, Chaz Volk of Mr. Thrive Media. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for listening. Hot dog. It's a wonderful life.